Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 10 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm your host, Andy's Mom. Today, I had the privilege to speak with James's mom, Jessica Tosh. James was born with a very rare medical disorder that cost him his life after just two short months. Although James was born in Portland, Oregon, he spent mo- almost all of his life at Seattle Children's Hospital, where both he and his family received great care and support. Since James's death, Jessica and her husband have been working to spread James's love to as many people as possible. Her stories are inspiring to me, and I'm sure they will inspire you as well. I will have links to her Facebook page and blog on my website. Be sure to visit them. Another important goal for Jessica is to break the stigma of child loss. It is not only okay, but great to talk about our children. It is healing for both us and others to have these open, honest conversations. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much, Jessica, for agreeing to come on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I just love to be able to hear stories from, especially from people kind of from all over the country and just so we can share our experiences as parents going through this really awful grieving process. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So I want to start out by just having you tell me about your son, James. Yeah. um, So James was mine and my husband's uh, first child. Mm -hmm. Um, He was born in May 2016. Um, He was only with us for two months. Uh, He was born with a rare disease. Um, But during that short time, he made a huge impact on our lives and the lives around him, um, and and still is through the the legacy that um, we're giving him. Mm-hmm. And um, he he really taught me how to truly love unconditionally and open yeah. my heart in ways that I never even imagined. Um, you know, I'm sure that any first time parents probably feel the same way about their firstborn, but um, it was mm-hmm. just truly magical to feel that love um, that he he opened up for us. Um, yeah, I think was- you're right on two fronts there. One is when you have a child, you do understand so much more what true love is. Yeah. And yeah, then definitely. I think the process of losing that child also gives you compassion, I think, for other people and just an understanding that you don't Mm -hmm. have unless you do that go through that so for you to have both of those things happen almost at the same time 
just kind of blows me away, actually, what all you would have experienced in just a couple of short months. Yeah, the the grief and the love really do live side by side. Mm -hmm. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's my biggest lesson from from this whole experience, you know? Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. I mean, grief is love. Mm -hmm. You don't grieve unless you have love for someone. You, exactly. You just don't. I, if yeah. you think about someone that you really don't like and they die, you do not grieve that person. You know, right. when there's a terrorist or something that is killed, I mean, not, I'm not grieving because I didn't feel love for that person. You grieve because you love. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell me kind of that whole story of James and your pregnancy and just even finding out that things weren't perfect in the pregnancy, um, yeah. just that process. Okay. Um, so James had a, a rare genetic disease uh, called PROS, P-R-O-S, which stands for uh, PIK3CA related overgrowth spectrum. Um, a big mouthful, but mm-hmm. the um, PIK3CA is a gene pathway that controls um cell growth essentially. And sometimes that, uh, that gene can be, um, can stay, I guess, turned on in, in some cells and uh, cause overgrowth of different types of tissues. Um, so during my 20 week ultrasound in early 2016, um, the technician saw that James's left leg looked considerably bigger than uh, his right leg, mm-hmm. and um, it sent us to um, a special uh, high-risk doctor to do some more ultrasounds and try to figure out what was going on. Um, they initially thought it was just a problem with his uh, lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. Um, continued to monitor it throughout my pregnancy. Um, and then when he was born, he was sent immediately to the NICU in the hospital, um, and, um, had some other health issues, but, um, from just looking at him, the only overgrowth that you could really see was just on that left leg. It was, um, you know, and just pausing for a second there, I, I actually have, a patient who had was born with one leg considerably bigger, who did oh, have right. a lymphatic system issue. And, you know, in every other way, he has been fine and healthy and growing and, and doing mm-hmm. well. So for you to get that news of one leg being larger than the other, that was not, I mean, it was alarming, but it wouldn't have been overly alarming thinking that this was going to be a life-threatening condition. Right. Yeah. Initially, the only thing that we were grieving really was, um, you know, maybe a lack of mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he wouldn't be able to play sports like his dad. Um, right. Or, or go on hikes. We like to go hiking here in the Pacific Northwest. So, um, yeah, that was really our only initial concern was like, okay, mobility and, and activities that he might be limited in. Um, yeah, I so just think about we- it from a physician's standpoint. And I, I mean, if I would have been in your doctor's shoes, I wouldn't have had you worry that much, honestly. I mean, yeah. not really. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if you, they really thought it was a lymphatic issue, 
you know, there are struggles, but it's not really horrible. Right. Um, yeah. So, but then things did change. Yeah. So what we didn't, uh, didn't realize until a little bit later was that, um, they, they called this a malformation. It was, um, actually extending into his abdomen. Um, and so he was here in the hospital at Portland, um, for about a week. And we had known ahead of time that there was a great vascular anomalies team up at Seattle Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. And our, our doctors here um, had been in contact with them and um, updating them, I think almost daily. Um, and so one night I got a call from James's doctor that said, uh, he said the doctors in Seattle wanted to send James up to Seattle um, as soon as possible. Okay. Um, and so the next morning we got to the hospital and they were getting ready to um, transport him up there. And um, when he arrived, we found out that he had a, an E. coli infection mm-hmm. um, and he was septic and uh, overloaded with fluid, um, was very, very sick. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a bacterial infection mm-hmm. in the blood for those of you who may not know. Yeah, so they they what they suspect is that um, some bacteria was leaking from his own gut into his system. Yeah. Um, so he he was put on antibiotics and got over the infection. Um, this time we were in Seattle. Um, and after he got over his infection, they uh, decided to put him on a medication to try and control the, the malformation. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on that for probably like a month or so um, and didn't really do any, have any positive effects, unfortunately. His, his um, malformation was unfortunately uh, causing organ failure uh-huh. um, and just wasn't looking good. And so um, around early July, we had a, a hard conversation with his doctors and um, they recommended that we switch to comfort care mm-hmm. and um, stop treating his malformation and just spend as much quality time as we could with him. Um, and then one morning we came into the hospital and um, his central line had come out. He had a central line for um, TPN and pain medication and all sorts of stuff. Um, oh, and he was also on a ventilator at this time as well because the malformation was pushing on his lungs and he couldn't breathe on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that morning we got to the hospital and his central line had come out and we had agreed that if that happened, it wouldn't be reinserted because his, his skin was very fragile. Um, and so we knew that that was the day that we were going to say goodbye and, um, spent the day with our family. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents and my husband's mom was there and, um, we decided to take the ventilator out that night and said goodbye. Oh, I'm so sorry. Just Thank so you. hard so hard yeah and I feel like the emotions are just so all over the place especially in a place like that in the NICU yeah. like that um 
There's not very much privacy in those places, is there? <laughs> no, there's not. The NICU in, in Portland, we had our own room. And when we were assigned to Seattle, one of the nurses pulled me aside and said, I just want you to know that, you know, they're very, very busy NICU and you'll probably be sharing a room with, um, with another patient. Um, so it was nice that she gave me that heads up. And then um, once we did decide to, uh, to switch to comfort care, they decided to give us our own private room, which was really nice. Oh, that is good. Yeah. Um, and we have just, we had the most amazing team in both hospitals, you know, it was, it was a great experience and they, they tried the best for James. It just, um, just didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. They did the best they could. Yeah. Yeah. I think of those words often, you know, even the words that they said to me were, despite our best efforts, we were unable to save your son. Yeah. And I do think when you word things like that, that's that's as good as you can, right? Yeah. Um, I hear so many stories of people that were told badly that the medical team didn't handle things well, mm-hmm. that it is nice to hear stories of when it was done the right way. And yeah. I do feel like in ours, that paramedic, that was the exact right thing to say. It was a horrible thing to have to tell a family. I'm sure he hated having to do it but it was the right way to do it. And if you have to go through that, I'm glad you can have a good team mm-hmm. that can help you and support you. Yeah. Can you think of um, anything specific that they did that was helpful to you? Um, yeah, we had some primary nurses who were just amazing. Um, James's night nurse was with him, uh, I would say the majority of the time. Um, And she would make uh, like little banners with his name on it and um, footprints that we could decorate his room with. And so that was just really, really lovely to have her. um, Just making it special. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're actually still in communication with um, with all of his nurses, which is really great. You still are um, now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then our, our favorite um, attending doctor was just so, so kind. And um, he always wanted to go the extra step to make sure that they were, they were seeking out all routes possible and, um, you know, turning over every stone but um yeah he was just a super kind guy and we were we were lucky enough that um he was there the last couple of days of James's life and was actually there the day that he died and um this disease is is so rare and um they were learning a lot from James and Mm -hmm. he he came to me and my husband and said no, I call James the professor because he has taught me so much. Um, oh. And then he came up and spent some time with us. We spent our last um, our last hours together on a rooftop garden on the hospital. And um, he came up and spent some time and gave him a kiss goodbye. And that was just really, that, really special. That's just matters so much yeah. to have other people care and show that they care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just, I've been thinking about that a lot just lately. I'm, I'm in the process of getting back to work and I just started mm-hmm. thinking about that and about always wanting to let people know that you care. And I would say in general, in the medical community, that's not done very well. Because yeah. it's, you know, you think of it as not being professional and you want to keep it together and you want to be professional and you want to be like strong for the family. But right. really, if you show that vulnerability and show that care, I think that's way more helpful to families. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday whose son was, it was a somewhat similar circumstance to yours, but he lived six months. He had a heart mm-hmm. defect, but he never went home from the hospital. And yeah. they went back on what would have been his first birthday. And she said the cardiology fellow was there and saw them walking down the hallway and immediately started crying. Oh. And she said, I knew I was going to do that. Clearly kind of upset with herself, but my friend said it was the absolute greatest gift to her because it meant that he mattered and that she still remembered him and that her family mattered. And so it wasn't at all a failure on that cardiology fellow's part, (laughs) but a success. I mean, that was just showing vulnerability and caring. So it's just key. Yeah. So I know hospitals can really be, uh, there's just always so much going on. I think the busyness can kind of keep away some of your emotions too. Um, so tell me about afterwards, after James died and what those first days and weeks were like, kind of trying to get back to maybe a sense of what other people would think of was going to be normal. It was, It was so hard. Um, My parents had flown in from Kansas City and um, Adam's mom at the time, my husband had, uh, she lived about an hour away from uh, Seattle Children's Hospital. Um, And so the um, five of us were together for a few days at my mother-in-law's house. Um, And then we decided to come back to Portland and my parents were with us for a few days and then they left and when they left it was just like there was no no purpose to our days it was just so dark and heavy and mm-hmm. um it was because at that time it was like mid-august and so it was still summer um adam and i decided to do a what we called a memorial trip um, down the coast of Oregon. Um, And normally that would have been, you know, a really fun time for us exploring new towns and going on nature adventures, but it was just, it was really hard. And I, I found myself craving the, the gray and the rainy falls that are, um, you know, isn't that crazy? You just want the weather to be horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Because you want it to match how you feel. Exactly. (laughs) So I remember the the first day it started raining. I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) 
yeah. can finally sit here in my house and not feel bad that I'm not outside enjoying the sunshine. Right. Um, yeah. And so that, that winter, it was just, it was hard. It was, you know, surviving day to day. And, um, it was a lot, I equated to a lot of like darkness, heaviness and darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally and, agree. Uh, I use those words all the time that things, yeah. things just feel dark and heavy. Yeah. Um, so October is actually, um, pregnancy and infant loss awareness month. And, mm-hmm. um, that year was the first year that I found out about that through our, um, our counselor. And she told me about a special, project online um, called Capture Your Grief, um, where there's uh, daily themes that you can explore your grief. Um, and so I, uh, I decided to do that and, um, you know, right on the days that I felt that the theme kind of called to me. Um, and so that was the beginning of, of my, my healing and working through my grief was um, was all of this writing that I did that October. And I'm, I still do it every year as well. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, through that, I heard about um, a retreat, actually. And uh, you ha- um, Kian's mom that you had on uh, very early in your podcast, she mm-hmm. actually went to the same retreat. Um, oh, did you really? Uh, we didn't go together, but we went different years. Um, oh, wow. When I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's not a coincidence. I don't no, think. that is not. Um, yeah, so it was called Restoring a Mother's Heart, and it was a special uh, retreat for um, mothers who had lost their children, uh, either to heart disease or um, rare diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, two amazing people, Jessica Lindbergh and Tom Zuba, hosted it and they really taught me that um you know I I still have a relationship with James even though he he died I can still have a relationship with him and and carry on his Mm -hmm. legacy um and so that was that was the turning point for me um so yeah yeah I have learned so much from Stephanie on what she learned on that retreat Mm-hmm. Actually, one of the big things was, you know, she talked about this on her episode too, with um, when she had to go through her strengths. Yeah. And she went through and she named all of these strengths, and she then immediately started crying, saying, Those are all the things that made me the perfect mom for Kian. And now mm-hmm. Kian's gone. Yeah. So she felt so badly about that. And then somebody spoke with her and said, someday you are going to use all those strengths again and Kian will be all wrapped up in it. And that Mm -hmm. has stuck with me. That has stuck with me so much. And I think about what I am working on now and what I'm doing with this podcast and thinking about how it's kind of a strength I have and it's, and Andy is all wrapped up in it. Yeah. And it just made me, I mean, her telling me that story made me feel closer to Andy, kind of like we were doing this together. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. that 
I don't know. That's just awesome for me to think about it in a different way. Like you said, like thinking about James and still doing things with James and being there with James. I think about Andy and doing that. We're here doing this together every time I do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's there was, all because um, of that one retreat. One so that-, that was awesome. Do they keep having those? Do you know? No, unfortunately, um, she has kind of switched focus. She's doing um, a different a different type of retreat just for uh, women to find their calling. Um, so she she's kind of taken a hi- hiatus from the um, the restoring a mother's heart retreat. So I'm not sure if they're gonna continue or not. But yeah, it was oh, it was so healing for me. Um, yeah. There was a a speaker. Um, named Lexi Reed, and she um, she lost her son to heart disease as well um, quite a while ago. And she was a pretty popular uh, blogger. She had a blog called um, Scribbles and Crumbs. And the most poignant uh, part of that whole retreat was the first night we were there. They had rented out several different rooms, and one room. Um, they had turned into kind of like a yoga and meditation room um, with beautiful tapestries and pillows and candles. And we were told to bring a photograph of our child or mm-hmm. children that, um, that had died. And we went down to this room and sat on the floor in a circle with our, our children's photo in our hands. And she wrote, she read this um, beautiful piece from her blog uh, called um, the sacred task and called what I'm sorry I couldn't hear you this the sacred task okay and um, she talked about how being the mother of a child who died is a sacred task because we specifically were chosen to be the mother to this child mm-hmm. and it is our task to carry on their legacy and and their love um and it was just so beautiful and we were all weeping in this circle like realizing that like this is not the end of our stories this is this is just a small chapter in that story and our children will will continue to be part of it Mm -hmm. wow that sounds powerful yeah so what have these last years kind of been like for you? Um, it's been, it's been easier, honestly. Um, there are definitely still, still hard days. Um, you know, especially if there's like an anniversary coming up or something mm-hmm. like that. But um, I truly feel that, you know, my grief work was very intentional. And so, um, I think that is, it's helped me find purpose in, in this loss. Yeah. Um, It's so important to do that, to do the intentional grief work. Yeah. It's easy to not want to because it's so hard. Oh yeah. It's hard, hard work. And Mm -hmm. it is easier to just push it aside and not do it. But in the long run, it does not help you. (laughs) Right. By pushing that, pushing those feelings aside and those thoughts aside because they don't go away. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just um, kind of breaking the stigma of um, 
child loss has been been a goal of mine these last couple of years. You know, I, I want people to be able to talk to me about James and, and ask me questions about him, even if it's about the hard things about his disease or um, mm-hmm. his death. Um, you know, people, everyone loses people that they love. And, um, you know, just because we lost our children doesn't make that any difference. You know, we should be able to talk about it as well. Right. You, you are absolutely right. And we want to talk about it. Yeah. I have not talked to one mother who does not want to talk about her child. We all want to talk about our children. Mm -hmm. It, It, like you said, it's just the same. When you think about if you had a, a parent who died, who was, you know, elderly, you still would want your kids to talk about grandpa and grandma and those funny grandpa and grandma stories. And you yeah. still would want to talk to your siblings about those funny mom and dad stories that happened long ago. And that doesn't seem strange to people. But if I want to talk about a silly, funny Andy story, or you want to talk about James and something funny that even happened in the hospital or whatever, people yeah. are much less comfortable with that in general. Yeah. I know. And it's just like, I get it, but I don't know. So that's been, yeah, that's been my, my goal is to help people be more comfortable with that. Yeah. That's my goal too. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I just want people to know that it's okay and good to talk about it. And you know, if I tear up or if you tear up, I mean, you teared up talking about James today. That did not make you suddenly not want to talk about him right. you wanted to talk about him you want to talk about his story and even mm-hmm. if it makes the tears come the tears just show how much love you have for him how much love you still have for him right if you didn't have just love overflowing from you for James those tears wouldn't come that's what makes the tears come not mm-hmm. that you know, the showing some sort of weakness or that you're not doing well, right? That's not what that was at all. Right. And people need to understand that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some other things that you have done kind of to intentionally remember James? Yeah, so um, we started a Facebook page called James's Love Project. Um, I actually started it the fall after he died. Um, just because that that lesson of love and just pouring out as much love as I could into my community. It, that lesson just kept slapping me in the face. And James uh-huh. was saying, Mama, this is this is my purpose, you know, is to, to spread more love in the world. Yes. Um, so we started that, that Facebook page and, um, you know, sometimes we just post little stories about, um, you know, encouraging people to, um, do little random acts of kindness or, um, different things like that. Um, and one really special thing that happened, um, a couple years ago was one of my friends decided to paint some rocks um, Mm -hmm. with her children and then put uh, the James Love Project uh, address on the back so that people could find the rocks and it would, you know, bring some joy to their lives and they could then 
find our web, our um, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, such a great idea. And so um, my husband and I decided to try that the next spring and, and spread around some rocks as well. Um, and so uh, we've, we've actually been painting rocks for the past couple of years and leaving them um, mostly here in the Pacific Northwest. But we've been, when you know, when we travel to other parts of the country, we'll bring a rock. Um, and then we've given some to friends and family who have traveled internationally as well. Um, and we've had a few people, um, you know, post on our page that they have found the rocks and, you know, that it, it made them feel happy and joyful. Um, but one in particular um, story was uh, we brought a rock to, to Maui when we went for our anniversary one year. Mm-hmm. did it in um, a bamboo forest when we went on a hike. And um, several months later, someone posted on our page that um, they had found the rock in Washington State. And I was like, what? oh my goodness, we brought it all the way to Maui, Hawaii, and then it came back to the mainland, which is so cool. Um, and then they said that they would hide it again. And then... Um, another family posted that they had found that same rock while they were on um, a memorial hike for one of their loved ones that had died. And they oh, were talking wow. about her and, um, you know, just remembering her and that her special sign that reminds them of her is a butterfly. And that's what was on this rock. Oh. Um, and so I think that's just, you know, that's <laughs> love of James. He is just helping people to, to find joy in, in yes, every is. day. Yes, so, he is. And yeah. you think about how much healing finding that rock was to that family who was mourning someone. Yeah, yeah it was really special. That so. is amazing. Yeah. So do you, so you still get people just come on periodically? Yeah, you know, not not very often. We've put quite a few out there, and I think maybe people are just a little shy to to share that they've found something. But yeah, we've we've had a handful of people share that they have found our rocks, which is really cool. Oh, I'm excited. I've got to attach that to my webpage so yeah. people can get to that too, because that would be really cool. Cool. And you yeah. never know. Maybe someone has seen a rock or something, and yeah. would, it will get them out of. Uh, their shyness to be able to yeah. reach out. Yeah. Maybe, you know, would it be possible to send me some pictures even of a couple of those rocks or not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we take pictures of um, of every single one that we do. So, yeah, I do. Um, I paint mostly like, like symbols and things. I did one for every um, every child from that retreat that I went to. I painted oh, wow. them on, on their birthday um, last year, which was a really special way to... Um, to connect with them. This the thing I didn't mention is that this, you know, it's just so uh, healing this. I think that, you know, creativity is a very healing um, thing that anyone can do, whether it's um, painting or writing, or, you know, I work in my garden a lot and bake. Um, and so painting these rocks has been really healing for my husband and I, and he does these beautiful landscapes that I didn't even know he had this talent Mm -hmm. he's just amazing um he was just painting some last night of different 
different autumn scenes. So yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you some pictures. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I know when we spoke earlier, you know, there were some not great things that happened um, with that whole medical process, especially with the beginning with like um, that, that transportation Mm -hmm. from Portland to Seattle. And that has come back to kind of haunt you a little bit. Uh, Could you share that story? for me yeah um so like i said we knew that james was gonna go up to seattle children's hospital eventually we just didn't know what that was gonna look like we had anticipated bringing him home and and driving him up there but um yeah like an outpatient kind of visit or something (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. um but the uh that night that his doctor called and told me that um they wanted to to send him up there um you know he had said that will likely fly him in a, a, hel- a helicopter or a fixed wing plane. Um, and so, yeah, he was, um, he was transported, transported in an airplane um, via a, a local air ambulance company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, months later down the line, I, um, received a phone call and it said, this message is for James Tosh. Uh, we are calling you because you owe money to our company. Um, and we had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, they claimed that they sent us several, um, several bills, but we never got them. Um, the, explanation of benefits from our insurance mistakenly said that we owed zero for this transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were under the impression that we, we weren't going to owe any money. Um, insurance paid, uh, about $16,000, um, for this transportation. Um, so after, you know, several, um, several conversations with the company, uh, we found out that we actually owed, um, over Mm $34,000. And, you know, we were like, how can this be? Like, insurance told us we didn't know anything. Um, So it it was several months of, you know, going back and forth between the air ambulance company and the insurance company, um, trying to figure out who owed what. Eventually, we did apply for financial aid, um, and so they knocked knocked some money off of our bill, um, and um, we decided to pay about $200 a month for about a year. Um, so now we owe, I think, like $22,000, um, which is still, you know, that's, that's a it's lot of money. still a crazy hard amount of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I understand that, that families who who have children, um, that survive or, um, you know, are living with, um, medical issues or rare diseases that they, they have those bills to pay. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand that that's a reality, but, um, it was just a shock to us. Well, and I feel like it's an extra knife to the heart when you're already going through such horribleness to have to deal with this and then getting those reminders. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean that we've had issues too, um, with ours, uh, 
just we all obviously had to go to the hospital and uh peter and i still got a bill bills just in the last week or two for our hospital stay you know like they didn't register us properly so i would get i got a phone call six eight months later from the hospital saying do you remember why you were uh i know this was a long time ago but do you happen to remember why you were in the emergency room on august 15th of last year (laughs) like yeah i do (laughs) um but you know we just got a our the, the bill that was marked final notice like they're sending us to collections over this bill and we absolutely shouldn't even have to pay it because it should have been handled by the car insurance people but apparently people aren't filling out paperwork properly and you know it does get to the point where like i I don't know i mean do we just pay it i just don't i hate getting those letters in the mail as the reminders of the worst day of my life so i feel like for you you're having to make monthly payments Mm -hmm. on the worst experience of your life yeah I mean, that's way worse than what I'm doing. Ours is, you know, a few thousands, not 20 some thousand dollars yet, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just, I feel for you. It's Thank you. Yeah, yeah and, and so, it's just not know, that, right that, that you could be, you know, told one thing and then have that be completely wrong and there's no repercussions right. for anybody else. It was else. just a, cl- it just it was just a clerical error is all they said, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, insurance, you know, miscued it and so you actually owed $20,000. That's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so this has um, unfortunately put our, our future plans on hold. My husband and I are are renting a home right now and um, would like to own our own home, but um, you know, yeah, but with that debt, it's hard. Yeah. So we've been, um, working with one, a a local Senator here. Um, so the Senate has been trying to, um, um, amend this, this law that says that, um, the federal government, uh, regulates all of the, um, the air ambulance, uh, you know, bills and, and how they can operate. Um, and so the Senate is trying to, to make it, you know, so that the states can regulate it. Um, and so we've been working with a local senator and hopefully that gets some traction. Um, but mm. yeah. I just feel like it's, it's such just, a hard thing to have to have yeah. when you're already dealing with so much. Yeah. What else would you like to talk about and um, share maybe about experiences that you've had, things that have been helpful to you, things that have been not helpful to you? Yeah, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, just people um, wanting to talk about James. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he was a big part of our lives. And even though he was only here for two months, um, that doesn't, you know, make him any less of no. an impact on us. No. Um, so yeah, the the people who have um, reached out and even you know even just sending me a text to be like, hey, I'm thinking about James. Um, oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I love just that. little things like that. It doesn't have to be a huge, a huge act, but just just letting me know that they're thinking about him means the world. It just means he was important and he meant something to them. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, very good. And, and also just kind of being there and showing up for people. I know I talk about that a lot. Just mm-hmm. showing up and being present um, is just helpful. Yeah. So many people. Whether, you know, whether it's on the darkest days or, or the days that, um, you know, you can. That you're feeling you know, a little actually, brighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as like, you, do you work outside the home? Yeah, I um I have a part time job as a as an educator at the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how I, long uh, did you have to take off from work, and how was that returning? Yeah, so I had planned on taking that summer off anyway, since he was born in um in May, mm-hmm. um and then returning in the fall, um and that's basically what I did. Um, my my boss was um super accommodating to let me come back, um, when I felt ready. That's nice. um, Yeah. And then my husband, um, he actually works from home, um, and was at the time that James was born. Um, and he took off, um, pretty much the whole summer. He went back, I think in, in, in late August. Um, Mm -hmm. he was just ready to get back to work. He couldn't, he couldn't sit around um, yeah. grieving any longer. He needed something to do. So there's such a difference between people. You know, some people feel like they need to get back because they need to do something, and then other people maybe try to do that and just can't because they can't yeah. focus enough or be yeah. able to concentrate enough to do work. So mm-hmm. it's just very different for having you know with your personality and experiences and things like that and I think it's nice for people to be understanding and to realize that grief is not the same for everybody it's such a unique experience Mm -hmm. um, that you have to just be able to be flexible Mm yeah yeah I agree and um, I'm super thankful that um, I have this this part-time job. I love it. I love teaching kids about animals and conservation. Um, but it's nice to, to have some slow seasons. This is my slow season right now. Um, to be able to, to work on those personal things, you know, to, to focus on my grief and, and figure out where I want to go from here next personally. Um, so yeah, it's hard when you lose your child you lose so much of that, um, of your thoughts of your future. You mm-hmm. pictured things a certain way, and it's just not going to happen that way anymore. Yeah. So you need to take that time to try to figure out um, where that future is going to be and what it's going to look like, because it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think back to what you thought um, in the fall of 2015, what mm-hmm. your life would be like today it's not at all what you thought. Nope. So you just all. have to get a new vision, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, you have to reevaluate that day to day. Some, mm-hmm. you know, there are still days that I, I feel like just sitting on the couch and being in my grief in that yeah. dark place. And, yeah. and that's okay. You know, and I'm just I'm lucky a rest that. day, really. Yeah, I'm you just need rest I'm days sometimes. Have that mm-hmm. opportunity to do that. So, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you do, it just takes a while to start looking ahead in a different way. You know, I think about those first days and weeks, the first days especially, I could not think of what my life would be like the next week. I just couldn't. Yeah. Um, it just was too overwhelming to me. And then you start to be like, okay, I think I can plan a week ahead. And then maybe you can start mm-hmm. planning a month ahead. But planning, this long-term planning is just really difficult. Like it's now the end of October. I kind of have an idea of what we're going to do for Thanksgiving. But you ask me what I'm going to do for Christmas, and I have no idea. Because that yeah. is two months away, and that is too far ahead for me to be thinking right now. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I just feel like that people need to know that that's okay. And that it's okay yeah. to not be able to plan as much as maybe you used to. I mean, I'm a planner. I have. I Yeah, I am too. <laughs> so this is really weird for me to not have everything just completely planned out what I'm going to do. But I yeah. just have to be okay with that. Yeah. I think that's a big lesson is, is accepting where you are and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not pushing it. Just, you know. And being flexible mm-hmm. with yourself too. And and I say this a lot too, giving yourself grace. You have yeah. to give yourself and other people grace to just change things if you need to change things and not have to do things the same way because you've always done it that way or, um, or because that's what I was planning on doing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that was the plan. That does mm-hmm. not have to be the plan forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you so much for being on the show today and talking about James. I feel like I was able to learn more about him, more about you, and more about just that ability to um, share his love as, yeah. in as many ways as we can. Yeah, so thank you thank so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child. Always Andy's mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.